0: If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Our text this morning will be verses 8, 9, and 10. The words will be in front of you on this screen. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Welcome, welcome again. A special day, a beautiful day. And I trust that as we just lifted up our voices together to say it is well. That that you don't just say those words, you don't just sing those words, that you mean them from your heart. And you can say that because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 13, we pick it up in verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled The law. For the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. The word of the lord would you bow your heads and pray with me father again we are just most grateful for this opportunity that you've given to us with your word open before us i would pray lord that you would speak and that we would hear that you would be glorified you would be the focus we give you praise lord already for a wonderful morning to witness what you're doing in the life of luke and Juliana, We ask blessings upon them. We thank you, Lord, for Holly, and we just ask, Lord, for continued blessing upon her. Thank you for the hearts, for you and the heart for others that she's displayed. Father, I think as well of our dear sister Alina as she heads off tomorrow to serve you and, and others in Ukraine. I would ask, Lord, that you protect her. Father, we are blessed, most blessed, by your graces, and I pray, Lord, that we would not squander this moment that we Lord would hear from you and be obedient to your word. that is our prayer, please help me in this process in your name. we ask all of these things Amen and amen <clears throat> it 's pretty obvious as I read that text what 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 it 's all about okay it 's clear the, the word "love, if you listened was used five times in just three verses and in its context it surrounds two really difficult words to hear everybody wants to hear love but nobody wants to hear these words about what we owe or our debts debt and law so this morning what we want to do first is to come to a realization that there is a debt of love there's a realization of the debt of love. Now, what exactly is that? What does what does the author mean? Paul has been writing, he's been reminding Roman Christians, what? Who are living in a pagan godless culture. They're ministering in a pagan godless context. That they're actually to lead as examples in every single area of life as Roman citizens. Paying taxes, showing respect, giving honor. And now he begins what's with, with this idea that we're to speak of the fact that we owe no one anything. Now some people hold on to just one phrase and they would say it could suggest that it forbids going into any debt at all whatsoever. But nowhere in the rest of the Old Testament or New Testament does it categorically forbid debt. We know there's wisdom given regarding debt and strict laws surrounding debt and not take advantage of the poor and certainly faithful payment back of all debt. Jesus himself even makes reference, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So we know it's not speaking of don't ever owe anyone anything. What the author is doing, he's setting the stage by saying what? He's transitioning from this idea of a financial responsibility to a spiritual responsibility. So so here it is. You call yourself a Christian. Christians have a sense of unending debt, a perpetual indebtedness. Christ followers have a constant obligation to love each other. There's no greater or more valuable thing that we could ever owe one another than this now think about this chapter it's drawing to a close we've talked about living in submission to god-ordained authorities living in subjection living in obedience why because that's actually a blessing it's a blessing to pay our taxes and our revenue it's a blessing to owe others our honor and respect and now what the apostle paul does is he broadens it to say we actually owe we actually owe everyone our love Just pause on this word for a moment. There's a billion... I am well aware of the fact that there is a billion ideas and thoughts about this word love. And it can be very, very confusing. Even the way that we as a church, okay, use the word love is totally different than what? Than the the smattering idea, ideas that the world uses for love I was speaking at a conference a number of years ago in Canada and upon returning to the U.S. at the border the typical questions where do you live where are you going how long have you been in the country said what were you doing there I said I was speaking at a conference and they asked this question well did they pay you for speaking at the conference and I thought I said no they didn't pay me yeah but they gave me a love offering. It's just words we use. It's just language that we would use. As soon as I said that, it's like, excuse me, sir, could you step out of the vehicle, please? They, they actually thought at some level I had, that I had smoked my love offering. That was the problem. Kids in the back seat, daddy, what's happening? The, the, the world has no idea, no concept this word love here is the word. Several different words for love in, in Greek, aros, that's the husband-wife love, phileo, that's the brotherly love. This is the this is this is this is the this is the king. Agape. It is a personal will and affections rather than emotions and feelings this is the love that's used in first corinthians 13 remember that love is patient love is kind this is the same word that is used for love what in ephesians chapter 5 husbands love love your wife is christ love the church so there's a lot out there, and I, I function, you know this, I want to get to the big idea. I, want, I, I love summary statements, let's just bring it all concise, stop beating around the bush, and, and give me the Cliff Notes version of what is happening here. The big idea always leads us to the big picture. Here's the big picture, early church father origin. He wrote in the late 2nd, early 3rd century, said this, and I quote, the debt of love remains with us permanently and never leaves us this is a debt which we pay every day and forever oh now as as we hear that we know that's what the author said there can be a sense of exhaustion here a sense of exasperation even futility think about this always owe and we never pay down you're kind of like that's a bad deal man who who signed on the dotted line for that one because that just doesn't sound like a good deal we always owe it and we never pay it down no but think what just like the holy spirit is working out the process of sanctification in our lives. Although we know we're never going to attain full what glorification until we get to heaven. In, in a sense we're pursuing holiness. Knowing we're never going to be fully holy until we get to heaven. Romans chapter 8 did a really good job describing that for us. Just like the Holy Spirit helps us in that process. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is always going to be faithful to give to us the necessary resources that are needed to pay the debts of love that we owe one another. You realize that Jesus Christ is interceding right now on our behalf, giving to us everything that we need to accomplish this really difficult task. If you recall in the Garden of Gethsemane, the high priestly prayer, the entire prayer ends with these words. Jesus says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me with may be in them. Everything that is needed. You know why? Because I have to admit something. and You're not shocked to hear this. I don't have it. I just I I do not have the capacity to just love endlessly every single like I, I just don't have but he does greater love has no one than this and someone laid down his life for his friends and Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 15 You You Words and all past Ugliness, little dark closet, sins, secrets, failures. Jesus Christ says, You are my friends. You see the encouragement here? And the the implied question is okay, we come through realization. Okay, we owe this, so let's let's just, just get it out there. Who do I now owe my love? line them up I got to be nice right let's just get to this point just stop stop right there if that's your attitude line them up because I'm going to be nice now if that's your attitude you can keep it and I I mean that with all the authority because that is not that is not demonstrative of the love that God offered you When he loved you so much that he offered his own son, his boy, to suffer and to bleed and to be tortured and to die so you can live, so you can love. So who is it? Who who is it now if it says what? What? We're to love, verse 8 says, love each other. And then twice, in verses 9 and 10, it uses this phrase that you are to love your neighbor. Now, I always consider what? Scripture with Scripture. You consider all of Scripture. And I think it's very clear here. There is an order that is being referenced. There's an order. First, what? We owe our love to... To our brothers and sisters in Christ first. You know those people that just stood up here and they made a covenant with you and you likewise to them? We owe our love first and foremost to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Secondly, in that order, we owe love to our neighbors. Jesus taught this. John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 says for God is not unjust. So as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. As you still do you see this priority not only affirms our love for one another but it affirms our love for god we desire to be obedient what he is saying that is the most powerful testimony to our neighbors people did you realize many people many of our neighbors in the community that we live in come to the church and call walk in and they ask for help all kinds of help and it happens regularly could you help me with this could you help me with this and we have what through mercy ministry a wonderful opportunity to offer help to them and we we offer if it's assistance with with a tank of gas a formula for the little one A prescription. Whatever it is, we want to do that. But let me assure you this, every single time we offer something, far more important is is the fact that we invite them to be part of the body of Christ. Why? Because the body of Christ is designed to take care of the needs of one another. And I tell people all the time, and others do as well, the church is not a social assistance program. Okay, we're not about handouts. We will help you, but we invite you. Please, we plead with them. You are invited to be parts of the body of Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It is, it is so clear that what, when we love like this, this is not a, uh, a fleeting, flittering emotion. Like the world talks about, we fall in love when we fall out of love. No, this, this is something that is based on rock-solid commitment. Everything that we do as a local church, everything we believe, every, everything that we teach is based on the fact what? We love because he first loved us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. And we know in Romans chapter 8, nothing. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Now, a great test, a great test of our love is is to simply ask the question, how willing, right now you, don't elbow the person next to you, how willing are you to sacrifice Just pause on that for a moment. Yeah, it's got to be pretty. I better see a lot of tears because it's not going to happen quick. How, how, how willing? How, how often do you just think about how often do you love to love? Or else is it, yeah, who is it? I'm supposed to. I'm going to be nice now to them. How, how quick are you? To put the needs of others before your own needs. Or we could ask the inverse, what? How hesitant are you? How reluctant are you to put the needs of others before your own needs? Now, Let let me explain. Take take a few moments and explain why this text, why these verses, and why I am so amped on, on the hour, that you are hearing these words today. I I am not naive to how broken and messed up this world is right now. I am not naive to the fact, neither are you, that there are desperate people that are hurting everywhere. So much so that I, I don't know if there's been a greater time in all of history for us to show other people the love of Christ than right now. Than right now. Two weeks ago, we celebrated, what? A momentous victory with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We prayed and prayed, and I confess, and I, I honestly, I told other pastors, I said, I didn't know if I'd ever see the day. And, and the church, whoo! You, you realize that this does not mean it's over. That right now, right now, more than ever before, we need to show These young women, these people, these young couples. We need to be there for them, to offer them the support, to love on them, to show them the love, to to, to step up. Now is the time more than ever before to help serve and care for the hurting and the helpless, both within the church. There are many right here. And there are far more, far more. In our own community. First and foremost. We have to come. There's a realization of the debt. Of love. Number two. Secondly. Now there's the implementation. Of the law of love. We got to put this thing in action. I hope you see it. Since we have this perpetual indebtedness. Since we live with a constant obligation to love, we are to now choose to offer our love to others. And when we choose to do that, it says that we're actually fulfilling the law. You're actually fulfilling the law, the legal requirements of our obedience. This is what? Not for salvation, but as a result of our salvation. Step back, if you get the context, remember the, the entire tension that exists within the roman church why paul is writing this letter there's a problem in the church there's what there's jewish believers and there's gentile believers and there's tension between them it's either what it's all law or no law which means what it's either legalism or antinomianism and the whole argument is who is more righteous and we know the short answer neither of you because there is only one righteous one romans chapter 3 covers that very very well the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all who believe for there's no distinction why because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god which points us if, if you remember it points us back to the mountaintop to the main theme of the entire book of romans in the very first chapter romans chapter 1 verse 17 where it says what the righteous shall live by faith that is a core doctrine of what we refer to as sola fideia it ignited the reformation more than 500 years ago well think about this it doesn't matter if it was paul's day it doesn't matter if it was Martin Luther's day, or it doesn't matter if it's our day today. You do realize that a strong and a simple faith, faith alone, is most difficult. Whereas what? The law actually attracts. The law at some level measures. The law is visible. Tell me what I must do, and I will do it. And the old thing is blown up to say no. For by grace alone. Okay, so so here it is. After stating that love fulfills the law, Paul illustrates this by quoting, I won't take the time, five well-known Old Testament commandments. Four of them come from the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, and the last is a summary from Leviticus chapter 19. Jesus actually emphasized the importance of this when he was preaching Matthew chapter 22. What is what? what? Second to the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which implies when you do that, you will then love your neighbor as yourself. Think about what's happening here. Think about what is being explained here. If you truly love others we will not want to even think about doing any harm to them. We hear those commandments and we think that's kind, of a, that's kind of a big jump that the author is taking here. I may not want to head to the amusement park and share my cotton candy with my neighbor. Sorry. But murder? Like that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a jump, Paul. Adultery? But what is Paul doing? Paul reflects how Jesus always raises the bar. He never lowers it. Which means what? Matthew chapter 5. Anger can lead to murder, lust can lead to adultery, coveting can lead to stealing. And all of this originates where? In our own heart, in our own will. All sin originates in our hearts and it will be expressed outwardly. Therefore, the press for us right now. When we deal with this whole subject of of debt and all the press for us, the press for you and I, and it has been squeezing me this week is to examine my own heart and examine the capacity of sincere love that we have toward one another. We, we literally are to live with a love, look what it says, that does no wrong. That does no wrong to our neighbor. And doesn't mean, well, I'm not going to murder them. No, no, we are not even to have anger in our heart toward them. See, as vital as our faith is, the evidence of our faith is our love. Th- think of that. As basic as our obedience is, the outworking of it, the outworking of our. Of our obedience is our love. As important as our personal story is, or our personal testimony, the proving of it, the evidence of it, is our personal love that we have toward others. So contrary to what people may think, love and living by the law really can't be separated. They're not mutually exclusive, yes? We are free from the law. We live under grace. But you are not free to live however you want. You're just not allowed. Not if you call yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather we are to live knowing, believing, and and trusting what Jesus declared. Jesus says what in Matthew chapter 5? Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. Law, easily, easily understood, easily interpreted to be all negative. A burden, weight, loss of freedom, living in subjection or submission. And it's easy to get down with that weight, but what are we told? What is Paul writing? Galatians chapter 6, Pastor Aaron alluded to it earlier. We're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ what is this law of christ most bible scholars understand the law of christ is to be what christ stated were the greatest commandments mark chapter 12 which commandment is the most important of all jesus answered the most important, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema, that's the Hebrew, what Shema, where it says what? And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor. Don't ever stop. And he uses this picture to say, I know how much you love yourself. And you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. There's no other greater commandment. Let me give you a couple of things to put in your pocket write them down meditate pray on them because i need i need the spirit's help i need jesus christ interceding on my behalf as i'm sure you do as well number one just just become experts at expressing your your gratitude your thankfulness to god who loves you and me with an unconditional love just begin there thank you lord we lead with that and then we have, to, we have to do the hard thing. We have to confess, we have to admit the fact that there can be a lack of love toward others. Confess that. If it exists, I'll give you a little hint, it probably does. Number three, commit to love others. Just as Christ has loved you, there's a sacrificial element How willing, how quick, how ready are you to sacrifice for the needs of others even before your own needs? Pray for others. And I was encouraged this week with another pastor, a brother of mine, who who said his his goal is is that he's praying he will be most difficult to offend. That that it's hard to offend him. That people can say things and he's not going to be angered by that. Why? Because he's praying for them. And then finally, seek to serve others. Look for opportunity, what as evidence of proof. How can I come alongside? How can I walk with them? As people are suffering in the midst of pain. They're suffering in loneliness. They're suffering in anxiety and depression and darkness. How fitting and how wonderful and how appropriate, how beautiful is it for you just to come alongside? And say, I'm just here. I'm just here to listen and to love you. Just as I have been loved. May we see the evidence and the proof of the message of the gospel. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Forgiving us, redeeming us, so we can live and walk in the newness of life. We live different. We love different than the world does. Through the help of the Spirit and interceding of jesus christ father we love you and we are again just expressing our gratitude we're amazed by it it's unmoving unwavering nothing ever separates in spite of our own brokenness and sinfulness and fallenness father i pray right now that we would be characterized individually we would be known as people who love families as they gather family units as they open their homes and invite neighbors to their table that as a church we'd be known and seen in this community as saying they love one another may you give us opportunity to speak a clear bold word of truth pointing people to jesus and explaining he is why we love bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.